Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 3 and we're taking a look at all the different communities and individuals and groups that helped started to build the walls of Jerusalem and the gates of Jerusalem. We're going to be seeing that it's a lot more than just an individual effort, and we're going to be translating that into our own lives as we seek to impact our culture with the gospel message. I'm excited for today. I hope you are too. So grab your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 3, and let's dive in. So today we find ourselves looking at Nehemiah chapter 3 and taking a look at the fact of what community should look like. And and I think part of this is seeing all the different groups that were coming together to build the walls of Jerusalem and build the gates of Jerusalem. No one can do everything, but really everyone can do something is kind of the challenge of this. Now, I will say as we start out, this podcast this week is a whole lot easier uh, knowing that my face is half of my face is not completely numb from the dentist. For those of you who didn't listen to last week's, I had just returned from the dentist and I had forgotten to get the recording done for the podcast and I had to do it with a completely numb face uh, from the dentist. It was not the most greatest experience of my life, I will say that. Uh, But this week, I can fully feel my face. I am good to go. Uh, And so as we take a look at this passage, we see that there was all sorts of resources that are were available to the people of Jerusalem. Now, they were facing a whole lot of persecution. And and, but as we get to Nehemiah chapter three, I really think that we can convince each other, convince ourselves that it is important to be an active participant in the community of believers so that we call church uh, an absolute uh, indispensable part of our lives. And that is my goal for us as a community, as a church community, wherever you may be listening from. That question of a- that we need to ask ourselves about church is if the church ceased to exist tomorrow, would anybody notice or would it just be a, a larger parking lot? What? How do we gauge our community impact? And then what is our role as a church family in impacting that larger community outside the walls of the church? And as we look at this chapter, the overall theme of the chapter will really guide us to various aspects of that principle. Again, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Now, how God builds his people as we work together in community is is a key part of that. And he does this by making God's glory the primary focus of the work. I cannot stress this, this enough, that as you look at this, you can see that that all of the gates uh, and some other places are that are referred into this chapter are going to eventually connect. They started with the entrances and thought that they should build build it out. Now, gates are a means of access. They're means they're means of entering, and each one had their own purpose. So when we talk about building lives, they represent the ways in which we enter into the lives of others as well, and allow people to enter into our lives. A great example of this is the Sheep Gate. It's no coincidence that rebuilding the walls of and the gates begins in verse 1 with the Sheep Gate and ends in verse 32 with the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate was the closest to the temple, and it was through that gate the sheep and the lambs were used as sacrifices in the temple uh, that as they were brought into the city. 
As they were brought through the sheep gate, they would be carefully inspected to make sure that there were no blemishes. And the symbolism is unmistakable as it points ahead to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus who would come to take away the sins of the world. And it's an important reminder that the only way that we can enter into a relationship with God and and a life of a disciple is through faith in him. Now, I'll take a pause here and even just talk a little bit about the Sheep Gate a bit more, understanding that the Sheep Gate had a very important uh, a very important place. Like I said, it was where all the sheep would enter. But it's also important to note that as Jesus was being led out of Jerusalem to Golgotha before he was crucified, he was going to be, he was led out through the sheep gate. You can't ignore the symbolism. You can't ignore what's going on here where in Nehemiah's time, the sheep gate was to bring in the lambs who were pure Uh, who had no blemishes, to be sacrificed at the temple for worship. And then yet we see Christ being led through the sheep gate again to be sacrificed, to be killed for the sins of the world. So it's no coincidence that they also start here, that rebuilding of the gate starts, or of the walls and the gate starts with the sheep gate. It's also significant that the work there is done by the high priest and his brothers. As they built the sheep gate and the, and the wall all the way to the next tower over, they consecrated their work before God, before they proceeded any further with anything. And their actions, and by their actions, they were demonstrating that this was not just their work. It was God's work. And, and often we we leave out that little part of them consecrating as they went. It was them saying every step of the way, God, this is for you. God, this is dedicated to you. It was the uh, Apostle Paul who actually captured the essence of their mindset when he wrote these words about 500 years later in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, which says, so whether you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Uh, and so, so we can see here that the first focus is giving the glory to God. The priests recognized this, and if they wanted revival to happen, they realized that it had to start with worship, and it had to start with giving glory to God. I can't stress this enough as we look out at at this world that we live in, and we can see, we can think that it is just dark times. But yet God has a purpose for us in those dark times, and that is to bring light into the world. It's so easy for us to think as we turn on the news that the world is falling apart. And it looks like it in many ways that it, that it is, but it's even more easy for us to think no one has ever been through something like this before. And yet you look at Nehemiah and what we read in the first two chapters of Nehemiah and how he finds himself looking at the city. Now, you have to understand the the geography of Jerusalem puts it, it's like a shape of a bowl. And at the bottom of that bowl is the city itself. There's hills surrounding it. It's actually a very horrible strategic city from a military side of things because the people who would be attacking the city always have the upper ground. But Nehemiah has made a journey. He arrives in Jerusalem and you have to come over that hill 
And even before you come over the hill, you can see the fires burning of the gates on fire. And you come over that hill and what used to be the glory and that splendor and that grandeur of the city of Jerusalem is now in flames and in rubble. Uh, and and so, so you see that Nehemiah comes over this, this hill and he looks down at the city. He sees it in rubble and... And all of a sudden you start to realize, you know, we turn on our TVs, we listen to the news, and it can look like it is just a, a burning dumpster fire of a world right now. This is the same picture that Nehemiah had. The enemies were mocking him. The neighbors out just outside the city of Jerusalem were persecuting the citizens of Jerusalem uh, and pressuring them not to rebuild. And, and Nehemiah cuts through all of that and says, let's get this job done. And, and uh, that is very safe to say, especially as we, in this series, head into a week in next week where we're talking about more cultural issues. And as I said, we'll do about three chapters or two chapters in Nehemiah, then we'll address one of the cultural issues, realizing that Nehemiah recognizes cultural issues as his time that needed to get fixed and heart issues that needed to get fixed. We do as well. And next week, we take a look at probably the number one cultural issue going on right now, which is abortion, as we look at what from leaked uh, a leaked opinion from the Supreme Court and the protests are going around. Yet, in that dark world, as we see, we can also cut through, cut through the darkness with light. We can spread biblical truth, and we'll impact that. But I'm getting ahead of myself, because... Throughout it all, it's Nehemiah recognizing that we give that he gives the glory to God. If he gives the glory to God, if the priests give the glory to God first as they go every step of the way, then they know that God is leading them bit by bit. It's it's that picture that we that that scripture tells us that you know God will light, God will show us, you know, show our feet where to go. You know, he'll lead our path. It doesn't say that he'll shine a spotlight a year, two years, three years down the road, but he'll guide us. He'll guide our footsteps. Uh, and and that's what the priests are doing here is brick by brick, they're giving the glory to God. Uh, even what may seem like a menial task, they are taking it as worship to God. So even in that challenge for us, where are we giving God the glory in our own lives, in our neighborhood, in our work, in every part. Is it all of it or is it just a little bit? Are we saying, God, you can have all these things as worship, but you know what? I've got this percentage. And, and that's a challenge that we, we take, take on this week. You know, God builds people, builds his people as we work together in community by giving the glory to him, making the focus on him, but also by using ordinary people right where they are. While the work began with the priests, for the most part, the work was done by very ordinary people who had been living and, and living in Jerusalem and who were residents of Jerusalem. In many cases, work was done by families right in the neighborhoods where they lived. To me, this shows that in many cases, God can use people to build right where they are. Uh, and perhaps they're are some of you who are listening to this that are waiting for God to change your circumstances before you're willing to jump in with both feet and serve him wholeheartedly within the church, within the community, or even take on your own ministry. And let me encourage you to move beyond that mindset and just serve God the very best where you are right now. That's the message uh, of Nehemiah chapter 3. That's the, the message of also not just serve God where you are right now, but serve God with your family where you are right now. 
Trust that he wants to use you right where you are. And again, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he addressed those who were waiting for their circumstances to change before they would commit to serving God fully. Uh, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let them... uh, there let him remain with God in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. That's saying, where are you? Where do you dwell? And now say, how are you going to, how, God, how are you going to use me to serve your purpose? The other is, I think, uniting diverse people in common work. Notice the tremendous diversity of the people who are involved in, in this building project. We see religious leaders like priests in uh, verse 1, 22, and 28. We see Levites in verse 17. We see skilled craftsmen like goldsmiths in verse 8, people who were merchants in verse 8 as well. We see that there were rulers in verse 7, 9, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 26. We see residents of Jerusalem and people from the outlying areas like Jericho in verse 2, Tekoa in verse 5 and 27, Gibeon in verse 7, Mizpah in verse 7, and Zenoa in verse 13. Those areas were anywhere from 10 to 15 miles outside the city of Jerusalem. And yet it wasn't, so it wasn't just residents of Jerusalem who saw that united purpose that, that God was giving them and that Nehemiah was presenting them with. We also see that there was men and women. We see the daughters of Shalom in verse 12. And God brought them all together in, to engage in a common work, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And although these people were separated by geography, by occupation, by social class, by gender, they were all able to work because they had one common goal. Notice how many times in this chapter you say, see the phrases next to him, next to them, after them, uh, after him. 28 different times uh, we see this happen. And, and I know I mentioned that on, on Sunday, but you can't ignore how important it was to work side by side with all of these different groups. In the church, we have an even greater purpose that we should unite all of us despite our diversity. Jesus has given all of us the, the common mission of making disciples. In both Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul compares the church to the body and points out that points out the needs of every member of the body to do his or her part in order for the body to function as God had intended. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he reaffirms that idea with with the words, with these words, rather, speaking in speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is who is the head, into Christ, from who is from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint and which is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you want to grow in your relationship with God? Well, one of the most effective ways to do that is not by trying to do it on your own, but rather by carrying out your part in that larger body, that larger church family with that united common task of making disciples. Now, it's important to note that that can take place in all sorts of different ways. People's philosophy of ministries may be different, but the goal is the same of making disciples. And that kind of brings us to our next part. Yes, he uses diverse people 
in common work, but he also calls his people to work for the common good. The people who worked on the walls close to their homes obviously stood to gain personally from that work since those rebuilt walls would protect their families and their homes. But there were also a great number of people who actually lived well outside the walls of Jerusalem who didn't stand any gain personally from their work. But who did that work so that their people as a whole would benefit? The people from outside the walls. All those cities that I that I mentioned, Tekoa, Jericho, Gibeon, Mizpah, Zenoah, they recognized that there was something greater. There was that common focus, that common good that, uh, of what God had commanded them to do and what God had promised them. And, and, and that's so important. They had nothing to gain personally except understanding that the work that they did would benefit the whole amount of people. Even if they only made their way to Jerusalem once a month or or for the high holidays. It's that calling, and, and that's how Jesus desires what Jesus desires for his church and how the church should operate. Again, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote the words about the purpose of the spiritual gifts in the church. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It is that it is that importance of, of saying, what is my role? both inside the church and outside the church. It's that challenge for us to, to jump into action. And, and when we look at, at all of these different things, we see that, again, as we start to wrap this up, all of these names of those who participated were recorded. And, and it is a long list of unpronounceable names that make, make this chapter difficult to read, but it's also one of the most exciting things about the chapter, not from a linguistic standpoint, um, but it's the fact that Nehemiah re- made a record of the names of those who worked and that, and that God caused it to be preserved for nearly 2,500 years. And it's now a testimony of the work itself that was done, the fact that we are reading this. Even if no one ever notices our service for God within the community of believers, God does. And I'm reminded... Of, of the verse in Malachi, which is, who is a contemporary of, of Nehemiah and Ezra in this time. So you have to understand that. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. I love that Nehemiah writes all these names down. And one of the things that I really love in this is Nehemiah doesn't write his name down. He says that, yes, I organized it, and yes, I administered it, and yes, I motivated it. But he is giving focus on the work that the people are doing and the purpose of why that they're doing it. And I think that goes a long way for us as we ask ourselves, how do I participate on mission with God? Are there those things that you are are saying, you know, I know I need to do this, but it's the thing I like to do the least. But you know you still need to get it done, right? I look at the weeds in the backyard, and I know I need to pull the weeds in the backyard. And I know I've needed to pull the weeds in the backyard for a very long time, but I always find different chores or different things that I like better rather than having to weed the backyard, 
but it, those weeds keep on growing unless I actually attack the job. And in most cases, some of those other chores are made harder because I haven't weeded. You know, taking care of the flowers becomes a lot harder when you don't get rid of all the weeds because they're a constant thorn in their side and and my side. So even though there's jobs that may not seem like ones that you want, God is still calling you to them. They may not seem easy and they may be hard, but God is still calling you to them. Becoming a mature disciple of Jesus is hard, but it's even harder if you try to do it on your own because God never created us for us to be Lone Ranger Christians. The church, with all of its flaws, is still indispensable in becoming the mature disciples that God desires us to be. Uh, It is very important. It has such an important role. So even though none of us can do everything We can all do something to build the church. We can all do something to start that revival in our community. And we can all do something to build God's kingdom. And the challenge that I finished this week is, is what role will you take in that? Where is God leading you? In your neighborhood, in your church, as an individual, and as a family. And when you start to look at the tough jobs and the easy jobs, Realizing that all have to get done and all are being used to glorify God, then that motivation should be there. I'm going to leave us uh, there for this week. I think that's a good place to stop. So I will say, take care, have a great week, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.